Well, I want to say once again, thanks for being here today. And can we welcome our online audience? We have an online congregation. You say, hey, we got some people in overflow today. We're kind of packed out. So I want to say hey to everybody in our overflow. And so super excited today. We're in the third week of our Game of Thrones series. So for week one, we talked about guilt and how to get over guilt. And then last week, we talked about shame. This week, um, we're going to, well, I want to let me set up this week before I tell you exactly what we're talking about. Everybody in this room has things that we like and we have things that we don't like. And it's not a matter of right and wrong, it's just a matter of personal preference. Let me just share with you some things that I personally do not like. Um, oysters. I don't like them. Now, how many of you love oysters? I'm not, I'm not going to make fun of you. Okay, okay. Actually, I am. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, now, I've tried them. And listen, don't, don't invite me to oysters because I've tried them. My dad loved them. I've tried them fried. I've tried them raw. I've tried them with cheese. If you, if you can't make it better with cheese, it just can't be made better, period. And for me, I think God was creating the world, and he kind of went, and how oysters got made is as God's creating the world, he went, and that's what an oyster is. That's, that's, so think about it next time. You have an oyster. My dad used to do oyster stew. That stuff is... No! My God, that's awful. Um, I, don't, I don't like snow skiing. How many of you love snow skiing? You love to go snow... Okay, this is Anderson, by the way. You should know that. Um, not a lot of that... Ha- but uh, let me tell you, the reason I don't... I, 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 once again, don't invite me, because I won't go. Well, I will go. I'll sit in the lodge and sip some coffee and, and um, just kind of relax. But every time I've gone snow skiing, this is not an exaggeration. Every time I've gone, it's taken medical assistance to get me off the mountain. There's lots of stories there, but I don't like snow skiing. Um, I don't like oysters. I don't like snow skiing. Now there's a myth that I don't like cats. I don't like some cats. Like, I do love some cats. I love these cats. And because and, uh, they're... <laughs> I worked that in there. You like that, didn't you? Um, but it, out of all this, I've got to be very, very honest with you. And you may have never heard a preacher say this, but I'm just going to be honest and transparent. There are some things about the Bible that I don't like. Now, I, love, I believe it's God's Word. I believe it's inspired. Um, I believe all that stuff. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it so much. My water bottle. This is water. Water. If it changes to anything else, Jesus did it. All right? So... <laughs> Don't worry about it a little bit. Oh, yeah, the Bible. So, so there's, some things, there's some things that I don't like about the Bible. Now, I'm not, saying, I don't, I'm not saying they're not true. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying as I'm reading the scriptures and I get to certain parts, I think, man, I wish God wouldn't have said that. Because, because he said it, it means that I've got to examine my own life. And if I want to get in line with what the scriptures say, then it means I've got some self-examination to do and possibly, in fact, probably, some changes that need to take place. And the two of the verses in the entire Bible that bother me the most are found in the book of Ephesians. 
Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul, who when we first meet him in the Bible, he wasn't a Christian. In fact, he didn't like, in fact, he killed Christians. Um, but he became a Christian and gave his life to Christ and eventually traveled all around the Mediterranean Rim and he started churches. And he started a church in a city called Ephesus. In fact, it's one of the places he stayed the longest. And he wrote them a letter. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, Paul says some stuff. It's two verses that bother me. And the reason, I, and let me, let me just kind of get this. I think the two verses I'm about to read, I think they're a great idea for all of you. I just don't like them for me. And you're going to think the same thing when you read it. Okay, here we go. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Feel good about that? Everybody good? Can we pray and go home? No, see, you see what I think that's a great idea for all y'all. But I've got my story, just like you have your story. And as I, as I read this, I'm bothered by it because it causes me, then this is just the way I look at the Bible, it causes me to have to look in the mirror and say, first of all, Paul said, get rid. In other words, I don't, in other words don't be a hoarder. Don't, don't hoard some of these things. And he's telling us this for our own good. So today, what we're going to talk about is bitterness, because when bitterness is on the throne of our lives, it can literally break down the work that God wants to do in us and through us. A lot of times God wants to do something in us, and God wants to do something through us, but bitterness literally breaks down that work. And it's not that God's not good, and it's not that God's not loving, it's that we're not able to let God work in and through us because bitterness is on the throne of our lives. And so let's just kind of walk through this and talk about what God says that we should get rid of and what we should add to our life. The first thing he said we should get rid of is just, let's just talk about bitterness. Have you ever met a bitter person? Like really, really bitter? I've, I've been bitter in my life. I, I've got so many examples, but the one that I think of is in 1991. It doesn't seem like that long ago, does it? Some of y'all weren't born, but, but I was dating a girl. I was a sophomore in college. She was a freshman, and we had a great relationship. It was awesome. And, uh, and we'd been dating for like two or three months, and she was going to go out of town that weekend to, quote, see her best guy friend, Okay. That, that dog won't hunt no more. All right, that's, I'm just going to say that. That dog doesn't. But anyway, so she's going to go out of town and see her best guy friend. Oh, we're just such good friends, and we could never date. And, but we're, he's just such a good friend because he, he kind of gets me. Um, and so she went out of town to see him. She came back. She was never the same. I was like, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. What's wrong with you? I was like, what's wrong, what's wrong with you? Nothing. What's, why, why, why? And so, so he wound up transferring to the college we were going to. She wound up breaking up with me. And dating him. And then, a few months later, they broke up. She wanted to get back together. But there was a song. It's one of my favorite worship songs 
of all time. It was written by the great theologian, Travis Tritt. <laughs> Say you were wrong to ever leave me alone. And you're sorry, you're lonesome and scared. And you say you'd be happy if you could just come back home. Here's a quarter, call someone who cares. Call someone who listen and might give a to everyone. <laughs> I even have my limits. I, uh... <laughs> so that song came out, and I loved it. And so every time it came on, I would just blast it. I was riding down the road with a friend one time. The song came on, I blasted it. And he was like, why do you love that song so much? And I was like, well, it reminds me of, and I called her name. He goes, man, I think there's some bitterness in your life. I was like, no, 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 I'm not bitter. <laughs> but that song, you think about her and think about what that song says. I'm like, it's a great song. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, well, let me ask you, let me just ask you a couple questions. How do you feel when she walks into the room? I was like, I hate her. <laughs> he said, when you sit around and think about her, what do you think about? I'm like, I want her to fail out of college. And he told me, he said, Mary, that's not normal. You're a bitter person. And it caused me to kind of look, and that's just one example of bitterness that I've had to face. Bitterness is when we see another person and we actually want bad things to happen to them. And, and listen, that might be normal and good in your world. That's not what God created us for. At the end of the day, we could say a lot of things about Jesus. But Jesus was not a bitter person. And if we're supposed to be more like Jesus, then bitterness has to go. It has to lose its place in our life. Even though, even though so many of us in this room, if I were to give you a microphone and let you tell your story, you've actually justified bitterness in your life, just like I've done it in my own life. But at the end of the day, God says, we've got to get rid of all bitterness. Because he knows bitterness will break down the work that he wants to do in our life. He said, get rid of rage. Have you ever had a fit of rage? All the parents said amen. I mean, you didn't do it in front of the kid. Maybe you did. I don't know. But, but rage is when you, like, lose control. For, for example, for me, for me, the thing, the thing for me is electronics. Like electronics can switch rage in me like, like nothing in the world. Like, like you're working the remote control and the battery's dead. But men, what do we do when the battery dies? We push it harder, right? It's like, because it's going to work. And there's been times I literally, I've been so angry. This is, it's been a while, okay? I'm so angry with my phone. You just throw it up against the wall. Doesn't it feel good? You threw the phone against the wall. It felt good. And then you're like... I got to go buy another phone. <laughs> and by the way, when we act out in rage, and then we wonder why our kids are having problems at school, 
It's just because they're doing what mom and daddy do at home. Oh, I got, I got personal, didn't it? Rage, rage is when we have a moment of bitterness that manifests itself and we lose control. I was reading a story and I was like, what an idiot. This dude goes to the dentist to get his, he's got a toothache, but the problem was the dentist was his ex-girlfriend. And um, <laughs> I'm going to save some money. So he goes in and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of you, boo. But she, he had broke up with her for another girl. And when she put him to sleep, she was like, I'll pull all his teeth. I heard the news story. I couldn't believe it. I had to go look at it. She pulled all his teeth. And when he woke up, he's like, I can't feel anything. She's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a little numb. A little numb for what? Now, I'm sure in the moment, some of you girls are like, that's, how, that's what I'll do to you if, you if you ever. I'm sure it felt good in the moment to pull all his teeth, but at the end of the day, was it worth it? No. She loses her dental license. All because she had a fit of rage. You know, a fit of rage can cause lifetime regret. That's why God says, hey, if you got that in you, get it out. Get, get, get rid of that. Then he says, get rid of anger. Hey, have you ever known like just an angry person? They're always angry. They're just always angry. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't have to point. Um, but, they're, but they're always <laughs> angry. And, and anger is that thing that just happens. As a, like, for example, for example, for example, it's that thing that you think you have control of until you don't have control of it anymore. Uh, this past, uh, just a couple days ago, some of you saw this on social media, Karis and I were in a car wreck and Chance. I mean, it wasn't bad, and nobody got hurt. Nobody got hurt. The, the first person that everybody asked about was the dog. I was like, are you kidding? Chance is like always on crack. He has no idea. He's like, <laughs> so he's happy. But we're sitting at the red light getting ready to go, and the light turns green, and we're just like, wham, and we got hit. And I looked at Karis like, you fine? You know, she said, I'm great, and Chance is great. And so I get out of the car, and the lady that hit us, she was, she was actually super nice. And I was like, um, are you okay? She was like, yeah. I was like, is everybody in your car okay? She was like, yeah. So we kind of talked for a minute, and I got, and, you know, came back, and we, we had to call 911. They showed up, and you know, we pulled in the little side parking lot, and we had a conversation. And uh, the lady was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, ma'am, they call it an accident for a reason. It's fine. It's okay. It's not a problem. And I got in the car, and Karis looked at me. She said, Daddy, you're the only person on the planet I know that would become friends with somebody that ran into them. I was like, well, baby, you know, it's just, it's just Jesus and me, baby. <laughs> this afternoon, I'm going to go out and walk on water for a little bit. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> what are we going to do for dinner? I don't know. You got a biscuit there? I'll turn it in. I mean, I, I was feeling good about myself. Till this morning, when I came inside from working out, and Chance, who is house trained, he knows better. I walked I walk inside, and I always ask Chance, I was like, have you been a good boy? And he always like does his head like this and wags his tail. I walked in this morning, I said, have you been a good boy? Dug his head, walked away. I went, oh, no, you didn't. I walked into my carpeted area. I got carpet in one area of my house. It's a rug. It's one area. Everything else is hardwood, carpet in one area. Where does Chance take a crap? The carpet, right. 
in that moment, when I saw it, and I saw him, and I saw it, and I saw him, and I saw it, and saw him, I was not thinking godly thoughts. I wanted, for, for a brief second, I'm just confessing, I wanted to murder my puppy because he knows better than that, right? And I'm like, Ugh! so I went from walking on water, godly, somebody hit me, everything's going to be all right, just let it go on an Elsa, right? I, I went from there to, I'm going to kill my dog. That, that's where I went. And that's how fast anger, anger is that thing that happens inside of us when we realize how out of control we really are, right? You ever gotten mad? Just like, like gotten angry? What happened when you got done with being angry? Situation didn't change. I used to get real angry in airports when the flight would be delayed. I'd just get real angry. And then one day I realized, you know what? I can get super, super angry and the flight's still going to be delayed. Might as well sit here and enjoy myself, right? Anger. God says, get, get rid of that. Now, there is some righteous anger. He's not talking about like, but it's, what he's talking about here is anger that seems to control us. We just kind of explode and we go, well, that's just who I am. That's not who God created you to be. We've got to stop excusing this type of behavior as a personality disorder. Because it's not. He said, get rid of harsh words. Do you know one of the worst lies in the English language? We all learned it when we were kids. It's a little poem. It goes like this. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Wrong. Do you, we've all been damaged by harsh words. I can remember in the ninth grade, um, I went from eighth to ninth grade. Our band was getting brand new uniforms. I was in the high school band. Um, we got, and, and because we're getting new uniforms, everybody got custom measured. We got, you know, custom, you know, the waist and the height and everything. But that summer, I had a girlfriend. Her name was Little Debbie. Um, I don't know if y'all know. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know Little Debbie or not. But if you hang out with Little Debbie, you are not little after y'all hang out for a while. And so I came back to uh, ninth grade a little bit, little, bit, little bit larger than I was in the eighth grade, and my pants didn't fit. My band pants didn't fit. And I remember my band director walking in and looking at me and said, your pants don't fit, Perry? I said, no, sir. He said, what happened over the summer? Did you get fatter? That was over 30 years ago. I can remember that. I can remember that. We, we remember stuff. We remember harsh words. All of us, all of us in this room have said something. And as soon as it came out of our mouth, we wish we wouldn't have said it. Oh, oh, oh. How many of you would love to get that text you sent back that one time, right? You ever gotten a text fight? By the way, nobody has ever solved anything through a text fight. Oh, and by the way, when you cuss me out and put a smiley emoji at the end, it doesn't take away the harsh words. You are nothing but a smiley face. I got three text messages. Oh, anyway, so, um, and none of them were harsh words. When we use harsh words, it's the result of bitterness, rage, and anger built up in our heart. 
And at the, at the end of the day, and listen, this is, this is where I've got to watch myself the most because I have what you call the gift of sarcasm. I know how to cut people down. And by the way, when you laugh and say, I was just kidding, it still hurts. Harsh words. He said, he said we got to get rid of that if, if, if we're going to be more like Christ. And then he said, slander. Slander, social media. Slander, social media. Slander. Yeah, you, they start with the same, same letter. Slander, social media. Slander is when you just say stuff that isn't true. Or it could be true. It might be true. I don't know. I remember, um, I never forget this conversation. It was so fascinating to me. Um, the last church I served, we had built a building, and we had been in it, the building, for about a year. And somebody came up to me. We were in public. I can take you exactly where we were and said, I heard about the statue. It's like, I, I, beg, I beg your pardon? It's like, you are so arrogant that you put a statue of you in your lobby. I was like, W-T? Heck. I mean, I like, what? I was like, what? He's like, I heard there's a statue of you in the lobby. I was like, why don't you bring yourself out there and see if there is or not? Because in my mind, I'm thinking the only statue I can imagine right now is me taking a pee on your head. That's the only, but, but that would have been, that would have been harsh words. So I had to back off of that statement. I didn't say it out loud. But isn't it funny? how people will slander you. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to be slandered. For somebody to say something about you that is not true. Hey, sometimes even when something about somebody is true, we still need to keep our mouth shut. Because at the end of the day, when we, we, and this is what I've discovered. This is what I've discovered, and I've discovered it the hard way, and many of you have as well. If somebody slanders somebody to you, you better watch them because when they leave you, they will slander about you too. So he says, he says, get rid of all that. And I would agree, that is a great idea. That is a great idea to get rid of all that. But then he says, you need to be kind to each other. I'm, I'm sure Paul meant well, but Paul never been in traffic Now, he was shipwrecked three times, so that probably kind of makes up for that, but be kind to each other. So I was like, like what, is, what is kindness? Because does this mean that we all need to walk around and give each other hugs and, and high fives all the time? And I don't think that's what it means at all. It means, um, how, how many people in this room, how many in this, you've, you've, ac- you've accidentally pulled out in front of somebody. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Yes, most, most of us in this room, others of you, you're perfect. Praise God for you. But, but we've all pulled out, and, and it was an accident, right? Like none of us were sitting in the parking lot down at Target going, whose life could I screw up today? There's my guy. Now, like none of us did that. That's like sick. So when you pull out in front of someone and you hit your brakes, and they hit their brakes. Like, how do you want to be treated in that moment? Because it was an accident. You didn't mean to. Because I, I love it. The few times this has happened, people are like, hey, don't worry about it. It's all good. Don't worry. It's, it's when they do that. But when they turn the hand this way, <laughs> and they just drop a couple fingers, right? It's, that's how we don't want that. So kindness, when I started thinking about it, 
Kindness, the best way I could think of to define kindness is treating someone else the way that you would want to be treated if you were in their situation. That's what kindness is. Kindness is giving somebody else the same amount of grace and mercy that you would want if you were in their situation. And this is what some people say, well, I would never be in their situation. Really? Really? The, the, the thing I've discovered is when somebody's life falls apart, we don't know the whole story. And so instead of judging or instead of slandering, we should just be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to show them the same amount of kindness that I would want for them to show me. Now that's, that's like Jesus. That's tough. But Paul said that's what we needed to do. And then he said we needed to be tender-hearted. Now, I, when I read that, I was like, I don't... When, I'm a guy. I love to lift weights and run and sweat, and some of you love to fish and hunt, and we don't want to be called tender-hearted. But tender-heartedness is it's simply seeing things from a different perspective. For, for example... I used to make fun of dog people. When I say dog people, I meant people that treated their dog like it was a human. I made fun of you for years. I did. I thought you were weird. You dressed your dog up. You took your dog with you on vacation. You, and, and here's why. Here's why. Because when I grew up, I'm 48, okay, people around my age, when we grew up, we didn't treat our dogs like that. You brought the dog home. You played with it for a little while. You stuck it outside, and about twice a week you fed it. Um, and then eventually it'd run away and you'd cry and you'd go get another dog. That's just the way it was. That's how I, but, but today, people are crazy about their dogs. And I went, you know what? If I ever get a dog, it's going to understand who the master of this house is. Well, I got a chance. And this week, it was funny, I went in on Thursday, I'm at the office, I'm trying to do some work, and one of the girls in the office, because um, we, we have a dog-friendly office, the dogs are there, and, and she was like, you know what, I was, um, I was playing with Chance, and I found some, some fleas on him. Now, 20 years ago, if fleas are on the dog, you're like, oh, dang, sucks for him. But things have changed. I'm a dog person now. I immediately grabbed him. Took him to the vet. I didn't know where to go. I took him to the vet. I was like, hey, my dog, he needs, he's got, he's got fleas. Can we, can we do something for the dog? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll take this. He needs to take this medication. He'll be fine in 24 hours. I'm like, I ain't got 24 hours. I, he needs to be well now. Can we get him well? Can you spray him with something? Can we, do, do we need to shave him? I'll shave him. Do we need to shave him? Like, no, 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 no. He'll be fine, Mr. Noble. I still wasn't good enough. I drove by CVS. I got some flea and tick shampoo, and I scrubbed him down. He was pissed the whole time. I was like, buddy, this is for your own good. You know, got him out of there. And all of a sudden, I'm that guy. You know what changed? Instead of knowing about those people, I became one of those people. Now, a few months ago, where that ties in is here. A few months ago, we talked about this. We, inspired, we, 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 we spent a whole service on it. It's a prayer that I taught you to pray. Jesus, teach me 
to see people like you see people. That'll change you. It's changing me. I'm not where I need to be yet. But think about that person that you have bitterness and rage and anger against. If you could literally just stop and say, Jesus, teach me to see him. Teach me to see her like you see them. What a change that'll begin to make. And that's what being tenderhearted means. Seeing them as Jesus sees them. And last but not least, he said, forgiving one another. Now, forgiveness is hard. Yeah, don't you just, don't you hate it when somebody says, oh, you just need to forgive and forget. Okay, but that didn't happen to you. It's easy for you to say forgive and forget when you're not the one that got hurt. I, it, that's difficult. I can remember Brian Jones in the first grade gave me a bloody nose. His phone number was 8591263. That's legit, by the way. I remember Roy Pettit told me on the told on me in the fourth grade when I got a paddling. Miss Nally gave me a paddling. I came back and told the whole room it didn't hurt. Roy Pettit told Miss Nally I got a two for one deal that day. I remember walking back in the class looking at him going, I'm going to kill you. I was in fourth grade. I had issues then, right? I, I can walk you through things that people have done to me. And, and, and forgiveness is difficult. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be like Christ, we've got to learn to forgive. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness is. It is not. Forgiveness is not giving someone permission to abuse you. So, because we, and this got, the church got this wrong for years. But for years, the church, I mean, specifically would tell women that were being abused, oh, if you're going to forgive your husband, you got to move back in. Not if he's still beating you. Not if he's still beating you. You, you can forgive him, but, but you don't have to move back in with him. Does this make sense? Have y'all ever, y'all act like y'all have never heard this. <laughs> I remember, no, I'm not going to tell that story. Anyway, no, it was, it got real. I will tell the story. So one time there, there was a, there, there's a girl, this was years ago. She was living with a guy and, 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 um, and he got real upset and like hit her, like beat her up. And she called me. She didn't know about she, I was her pastor. She's, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Will you pray for him? I was like, nah, nah, I'll be, I'll, let me, let me, let me show up. I got my car. I drove over there. I, I went and picked up. I, I went and picked up an elder. I did what was right. I went and he was he was buff too. <laughs> we got there and the place was torn up, so we helped her clean it up. And uh, I sat down. She said, "What are you doing?" I said, "He's going to call in a few minutes." She said, "You want me to answer?" I said, "No, I got it." And I picked up the phone. I'm not making this story up. I've never told this story. I can't believe this. Oh my god. I answered the phone and said, hello. He said, who are you? I said, I'm, I'm the pastor. This is Perry. He said, what are you doing in my house? I said, honestly, I was planning on whipping your... And, and I finished that sentence. <laughs> and I looked at her and she said, what do I need to do? What I, what? I need to pray for him. I was like, sweetheart, is this the first time he's ever hit you? She said, no. I said, you need to get out of this house right now. He said he would change. You know what? He hasn't. So I, I'm just, and I don't know why I'm pushing down on this. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're watching online. 
Forgiveness is not permission to abuse. Forgiveness is you don't owe me anymore. Forgiveness is when, because in our minds, in our minds, what happens, what happens is in our minds, we build up this thing where they're going to give us a huge apology and they're going to say they're sorry and we're going to have a crowd around and and we're going to be justified in that moment. That's just letting all of it go. Forgiveness is, you know what? You don't owe me anymore. Let me tell you what else forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not complete reconciliation. I've heard um, very prominent pastors say, you've got to be completely reconciled if you're going to forgive. That's not true. What if the person that you need to forgive is dead? How do you reconcile that? You just go dig them up. Hey, everything's good. You throw them back down? No. I'll tell you this. I've completely forgiven the guy that molested me. I wouldn't have coffee with him. If he called me today and said, could we go to coffee? I'd be like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. So the answer is no. But you know what? He didn't owe me anything. Completely forgiven him. Sometimes that that relationship may never be reconciled, but on your end, you can let that debt go. And every time, listen, it's a process. Every time that person comes in your mind, you go, I have chosen to forgive that person. Chosen to forgive. It, sometimes it's a daily, sometimes it's an hourly choice. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forget, forgiving one another. And, and this is the thing, people come up and say, well, I got a story, I got a story. Nobody in this room gets an exception. We don't get to say, I forgive them, but. No, forgiveness does not have, it. Forget forgiveness, period. Perry, you don't understand what they did to me. You know what, if I let you come up and tell your story, you're, it would probably break all of our hearts. But the end of this verse is so key. The only reason we're called to forgive, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. The reason I can forgive is because I've been forgiven. And let me show you why this is so essential. This is a geography lesson about my favorite place on the planet, Israel. We're going to do another trip next year. I hope you can go because it's going to be amazing. This, in Israel, there's the Sea of Galilee, and then there's the Dead Sea. Now, the first time I went to Israel, and the people's, when you go to Israel for the first time, the Sea of Galilee is the most breathtakingly beautiful place on the planet. And it's shocking when you get up there because you're shocked at the... Um, the first time I went to Israel, I thought I was just going to be in the desert for like 10 days. But the, the vegetation is unbelievable. The, the greenery, the... the I mean, it's, it's, it's my favorite place in the world. Sunrise on the Sea of Galilee is absolutely breathtaking. And when, when you go to this area, Tiberias, that's the city that I normally stay in um, when I go to the Sea of Galilee. When you go to this area, you realize why Jesus spent so much time. In fact, from like 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock, Jesus spent most of his ministry right in this area right here. And you realize why it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I love the Sea of Galilee. But then you follow the Jordan River, and it goes all the way down, and you got the Dead Sea. I hate the Dead Sea. In fact, we go to the Dead Sea, that's the day I skip. 
I just go to the hotel and swim in the, in the pool because I don't like it because it's hot. It's one of the hottest places on the earth. And some people go, and especially the women, they're like, oh, the minerals, they feel so good. I'm, I'm not a mineral guy. I, I, I'm fine without the minerals, right? I, I don't want to put mud all over me. I don't want to do it. I, it. And everything around this area is just dead. It's barren. Now, this is why it's so important. The Sea of Galilee has a source of water flowing into it and a source of water flowing out. You got intake and outflow, intake and outflow, intake and outflow, and everything around it is absolutely beautiful. But the Dead Sea has intake, but no outflow, and nothing can live. So when it comes to forgiving somebody, you've got a choice today. You can be here or here because we can receive the grace and mercy of God and extend the grace and mercy of God. Oh, oh, and by the way, you might not get it where you gave it. You might not get grace and mercy where you gave grace and mercy, but if you don't extend forgiveness, then you can receive the grace and mercy of God But if you don't extend it, then the work of God begins to die in us. Not because God is bad, but because we said, they owe me. They owe me. They owe me. They owe me. Forgiveness is saying they don't owe me. In fact, I'll say this. Forgiveness is a process, and it can begin today. The message, I mean, the invitation today is quite simple. Today, the message or the invitation is not, think of that person that you hate the most, forgive them, and leave. Oh, I wish it was that easy. I wish we could pray a magic prayer and pixie dust would fall on us. But you know what you can do? You know what you can do today? Every single person in this room that has bitterness and unforgiveness toward another person, you can ask God, God, help me start the process of forgiveness today. Every one of us can. It doesn't mean when you walk out these doors that you're not going to still wrestle with things. It doesn't mean you're not going to have those emotions well back up. But what it does mean is the process can get started and you can literally begin to experience the work of God in your life again. For some of us, maybe like never before. Can we stand for closing prayer? Father, I want to thank you for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that you've offered every single one of us. And Lord, I know this message is hard for some of us to hear because there are people here, there are people watching online or listening to the podcast that we, God, we've been hurt. We've been hurt deeply. And Father, I pray right now for every single person, that God, the emotions are real, that you would help us, Jesus, to today to start the process of letting go of that bitterness, letting go of that anger, letting go of that rage, and letting you fill us back up. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you right where you stand, you know the person or you know the people that have hurt you. 
Why don't you just ask God, God, help me start the process of forgiving them today. Just have the courage. You can just pray in your heart. I'm not going to ask you to, to, to raise your hand or say anything out loud. Just in your heart, just in your mind right now, just say, God, help me start that process. If you're here today and that process is going to be so intense or it literally scares you to death or it confuses you, we've got people on our care team that would love to pray with you or for you about how to start that process. And so if you need someone to pray with you or for you about forgiving someone, I want you to step out of your aisle right now and just walk out the back doors of our, our, our room here. And you can just go right now without even looking. If you need to go, if you need someone to walk with you through this process, I don't care how messy it is. There are people in this room. There are people outside these doors that would love to go. And there's people moving, so you just move right now. If you need someone to help you walk through this process, you just go. Because that's why we're here as a church. Nobody's going to judge you for having ill or bitter feelings because we've all had those. And if you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never received his grace and mercy, then right where you stand right now, I want to offer you a chance to ask Jesus to come into your life. If you want to ask Jesus to come into your life right where you stand, you just pray this in your heart. Just pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I pray right now that you would come into my life and take over. I surrender everything to you. Take my life. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed, would you hold up your hand really high just for a second and you can put it right back down because I want to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate with you. It's awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for these hands that have gone up, for the people that just have prayed to receive you. I pray that, Jesus, they would walk out of here knowing they're forgiven, knowing that they're loved, and knowing that in their life, the best is yet to come. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, before you leave, listen, I know today's message is heavy. I know it'll be a process for some of us this week. I'll be praying for you as you walk through the process. Pray for me as I'm continuing to always walk through the process. And next week, we'll finish up the series. It'll be a fun Sunday. Y'all don't miss it. God bless you guys. Love y'all. See y'all next week.